Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. B -b bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. B -b bullshit this is bullshit. How dare you, sir? I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter, Bullshit Filter the News. I believe this is episode 52, Ray. Assalamu alaikum, Ray. To you as well. Wa alaikum assalam. Okay. I think is the official response, Ray. All right. The accepted response to that. Well, here we are back in Syria, Ray. You and I finished our great Syria series. Right. Two years ago, and uh, and I, I I vaguely recall that at the end of twenty five episodes, right, we said, and the war's pretty much over. Um, yeah, well, technically that was true at the time, not yeah. now. But like like any great TV show from the eighties, <laughs> uh, they reboot American. Yeah, they decided they had to reboot yeah. it. See what yeah. else could see what else they could squeeze out of it. Yeah. Now, a lot of people have asked me right. uh, via uh, Facebook message and, and email over the last week if, in my great and unmatched wisdom, <laughs> I could talk about what's going on in Syria, right. the Kurds, yeah. and Turkey, and Trump. So here we are. We're going yeah. to have a crack at that uh, today and, and maybe some other things if we have time. Right. And and again, this this reminds me of one of the very first Alexander the Great shows we did. Do you go by what someone says, what they intend, what they write down in their diary, what they whisper to a friend, or do you go by their actions or lack thereof? Because that's what we're going to get into. It, it seems that Trump did one thing; he's saying another, and and I don't mean that as obvious as it sounds. But you've got to wonder. There's this building crisis now. Is it Trump's fault? Is it partly his fault? Does he, did he knew, know it was going to happen? Does he care? And that's what we're going to get into. Because at the end of the day, it's someone's actions that matter more than anything else. Well, I didn't get much sleep last night. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm not really awake yet. So right. I'm going to throw it over to you. Why don't you, for people that haven't been paying attention uh, yeah. to the yeah. story, why, why don't you, why don't you uh, give people the lay of the land? What's going let me, on? Let me roll this back. And you can't see it now, but I'm doing the international disco uh, gesture of rolling it back. Anyway, I'll send you a picture. <sighs> so, <laughs> so Sunday, a week ago, there was a phone call between President Donald Trump and the Turkish President Erdogan or however the correct way to say his name. We don't know what was said in that call. I imagine there was a transcript that may or may not come out later. But after or soon after that, um, Turkey lets the U.S. embassy in Turkey know that there's going to be a major offensive in northern Syria against the Kurds, and it was going to happen, it was going to start within 24 hours. And sure enough, uh, there were airstrikes, there were artillery bombardments, and 
forces, Turkish forces, started moving forward. Um, the Syrian Democratic Forces and the Syrian Democratic Council, who worked together, confirmed that there were airstrikes on several numerous towns near the Turkey border. And um, again, the, right away, the Kurds started asking the United States their relatively long-time allies against ISIS and other international officials to help defend them against Turkey. But so far, it's been crickets. No one's actually stepping up. Besides some, some really intense words and some finger-waggering, no one's really doing anything because at this moment, while we're recording, there are children, there are women, there are families, there are civilians, there are innocents who are being bombed, who are being killed, who are being chased and harassed. That is going on at this moment. So the question is, as we're going to get into it, this wasn't happening. Trump and Erdogan have a phone call, and then it is happening. So what happened during that phone call? Were there promises made? Were there whatever? But the point is, we now have a situation where Syria could be, again, destabilized. It may or may not spread uh, further throughout the Middle East. And so maybe Trump's um, idea, and I think, his, I think his idea is to pull as many Americans out as possible, because he said this number of times, which on paper sounds really good. And I certainly support that kind of thing, because my brother was over in the Middle East three or four times for a year each time. But the point is, if he is going to pull these people out, there are going to be repercussions and, and some, somebody has to do something. So are we about to see another war in the Middle East that Trump may or may not have helped start? Well, I want to start off by reminding people that when we talk about pulling the U.S. troops, uh, and I think the U.S. only has about a thousand troops over there uh they're not actually pulling them out of syria either they're pulling them just away right. from the northern uh, syrian border with turkey exactly. as i understand it yes um pulling them back a little bit but i want to remind everyone because uh, it's been a while since we did our syrians series although i think we did do a show about it probably a year ago again mm-hmm. that the u.s has no legal right to have troops in syria in the first place Right, they're, they're, they're illegally, yes. They're, they're there illegally. Yes. Now, you're not going to hear that mentioned in the New York Times. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But they have no legal right to be there. They were never invited into the country by Syria. Right. There's no Security Council resolution for them to be there. So that's the first thing we need to remember. Regardless of whether or not you think it's a good idea or a bad idea, they're there illegally. So uh, Turkey's official position on all of this is that the Kurds are terrorists. The catch-all right. claim that every country makes sure. today when it wants to invade a country. Yeah. Oh, we need to invade them because they're terrorists. <laughs> right. Uh, who, do, who do we have to thank for that? Well, it probably didn't start <laughs> with George W. Bush, but that's uh, you know, the most prominent example, obviously. Right. Um, but, you know, that's been the claim that people have used since forever. Why did Julius Caesar go to Gaul? Ah, oh, well, there's yeah. German terrorists in there. They're terrorising our right. allies slash uh, puppet. Sla- puppet, yeah, there we go. Puppet governments that Occupied. we set up in Gaul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, look at that, that's not new, but it's 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 a sort of a classic. It's... Well, we have to go in there and to defeat the terrorists is one of these dog whistle terms that it's 
very hard to argue against because if you argue, they go, what? What? what do you like Are terrorists? You pro-terrorist, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. you're pro-terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 a it's a sentence that's immediately supposed to because I've been. I did a little bit of digging. It's a, it's a sentence that's supposed to elicit an emotional response. You are not supposed to think, and you're not supposed to be able to think. And like you said, it's supposed to be something that is a slam dunk, and there is no good comeback for that. That's why it's been used so well, because it is very effective. And the problem with that from an America perspective is that America actually agrees with Turkey, at least at the State Department level, right. that the Kurds are terrorists. Um, now, because what Turkey is saying, their official line is mm-hmm. that the the YPG, the Kurdish People's Protection Units, are really just an extension of the PKK, the Kurdistan Workers' Party. Right. Now, uh, how much do you know about the PKK? Not nearly enough. You're more familiar with the KKK. <laughs> I uh, do feel more comfortable. Anyway, yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, in that white sheet. Um, <laughs> passed down from your daddy. Your daddy got it from That's, your granddaddy. This is my grandfather's sheet. I'm so proud. Please continue. Yeah, it's got the blood on it. <laughs> no! Going way back. No. <laughs> the PKK, uh, according to Turkey, it's been waging an insurgency against Turkey for 35 years, and it's right. designated a terrorist organization, not just by Turkey, but by the United States and mm. the EU. Right. And this is something that came out in the last couple of days that the US State Department has confirmed. Now, previously, so the Pentagon for the last seven years or so has been saying, no, the YPG and the PKK are different things. Look, there's different letters in there. Look, right. one, one's got a Y, right. one's got a G, the other one's got two Ks, obviously <laughs> different things. Different, night and day. That's why, that's how we're justifying supporting the YPG. But the State Department has just confirmed, mm, no, nah, they're pretty right. much the same thing. Pretty much, you know, they're, they're aligned. We, we, we've known that all along. We knew we were supporting terrorists. But, right. but they were but here's the thing. terrorists. Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, here's the thing. It's, it's very subtle, but why were we supporting the fight ISIS? Who are ISIS terrorists? So we <laughs> were supporting terrorists. one group of terrorists to fight another group of terrorists. Isn't that smart? To have two terrorist groups fight each other as opposed to attacking you? Well, that's part of the plan, yeah. Uh, Keep yeah, them okay. busy. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So the PKK started in the late 70s as a communist insurgency in Turkey to gain liberation for the Kurds. And I'm, for people who don't know who the Kurds are, I'll get into it in a minute. We did talk about it back on the Syria series, but again, that was years ago. Right. Um, <clears throat> give you a bit of a refresher. But in the, in the late 70s in Turkey, where there were millions of Kurds, the use of Kurdish language and dress and traditional folklore and, and even Kurdish names were banned. Mm. So there was this uprising. Right. On behalf of the Kurds uh, against the uh, uh, Turkish government at the time to try and create more fair conditions for them and maybe a little bit of independence. And then there was the military coup in Turkey in 1980 where the military took over, supported, it appears, by the CIA. Um, sure. It's often been denied, of course, by the <laughs> CIA, but uh, a prominent, I think, uh, Turkish journalist 
wrote a book about it where he said that the the uh, station chief, the CIA station chief, uh, told him in an interview afterwards that our boys did it after the coup oh, happened. Oh, God. Um, One of our greatest hits. Yeah. Paul Hens, I think was the name of the, from memory, the station chief. He, um, he later denied it, but then the journalist pulled out video footage of Hens. <laughs> Don't. Uh, and, Never did and video. One of his, and one of, <laughs> and one of his... One of his guys uh, saying, yeah, our, our boys did it or our boys pulled it off or something like that. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that, that military coup officially lasted for three years, but then the general who did it was the president uh, of Turkey then for the next 10 years or so. Nice. Um, of course, the Americans then, as now, love a good right-wing military coup. <laughs> We can in deal these with countries. Them. Yeah. Yes. Don't be a lefty. Uh, Don't be a fucking lefty. I swear to God. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. As I've quoted many times, the Genie Kirkpatrick <laughs> doctrine. That <laughs> um, was Genie. No. I swear to God. Not funny. No, it's not, not funny. funny. No. Not funny. Uh, is that uh, it's better for America to have right-wing dictatorships in countries because you can do business with them because right. they're, 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 they're capitalists, but usually. Uh, if we if we have a left wing dictatorship or a left wing government, can't Different. do business with them. Yeah. So we we want right wing dictatorships, and if if we need to turn a blind eye to murder and mayhem on behalf mm. of that right wing dictatorship, well, that's what we need to do Price because business. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Yeah. Well, Trump just said the other day, and I don't have the numbers. I apologize, but Trump was saying that you know obviously there's a lot of trade between the United States and Turkey, so. Don't let that be forgotten because that is a factor, especially when it comes to someone like Trump. He is all about, you know, trade, business, stimulating the American economy. America first, if you will. Funny, I've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> Not sure where. MAGA, MAGA. Oh, that's it. That's where it was. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So, um, who are the Kurds, Ray? Um, I, I do not know. I just, are they culturally different? I, to be honest, I don't even know their religion. So what, what separates them from all the other countries in the area? I honestly don't know. What do you mean you don't know? We did this on the series. I series. don't remember. Two years Jesus. ago. I know. Well, you didn't, you didn't think maybe seeing as we're doing a show about the Kurds today, you should. I was too that? busy watching. That shall, which shall not be named. Bush. Bush. <laughs> yes. <coughs> Got a little choked up there. Anyway, no, wow. please tell me. It's talking about Caligula, by the way, right. for people wondering what the code is. Yes, we're, for people who haven't seen my Facebook post, we're starting a Caligula series this week, and we're, we're watching the uh, 1979 Tito Brass, Malcolm McDowell, Helen, Miller and, Helen Mirren, Peter O'Toole oh, film. Uh, more Bush in that than... Per square more, frame. I don't know how to put that exactly. It's the most Bush I've seen <laughs> since the last time I went to a Dallas Cowboys game with Ellen DeGeneres. But boom boom Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, the Kurds, well, there's about 35 million of them around the world. So that's, there's more Kurds than there are Australians. Right. It's only, it's only about 20, 25, 26 million Australians, but 35 million Kurds. Yeah. They're, they're mostly in Asia Minor. Now they're not a religious group. They're an ethnic group, like Arabs are an ethnic group or white people. 
Um, they're uh, they're an ethnic group, uh, a lot of different religions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, some people believe that they are probably the most religiously diverse people Ooh. in West Asia. They, they got Muslims, they got Christians, they got everything. It's all good. In there. Bit of bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, but they've they've been copying the short end of the stick for quite a while. They're kind of ethnically they're related to the Iranians, right? But uh, they've been treated like shit for a long time. Now, the U.S. was supporting their sort of independence uprising in the seventies. The CIA was supporting them for a little while, mm-hmm. selling them weapons and giving them training and that kind of stuff, because so, they saw them as potential allies against Saddam Hussein uh, until America did a deal with Saddam Hussein Uh to invade Iran. Yeah, we traded out. And then Saddam killed 180,000 Kurds with the tacit approval of the US who looked the other way and did nothing about it. Right. Um, So millions of Kurds who were living in Iraq at the time moved into other places uh, some of them went to Turkey, some of them went to Iran, better mm. one and a half million of them, I think, got out of Iraq, managed to escape Iraq at the time. Wow. And a lot of them fled into Turkey. And a lot mm. of them were in Syria, fled to Syria, had been in Syria some before that, some of them too. They're up At the beginning of the Syrian civil war, mm. about 9% of Syria's population was made up of Kurds, wow. about one and a half, 1.6 million people, something like that. Right. But they've been treated like shit by the Syrians as well, uh, denied citizenship. You know, we on our Cold War series, we just started talking about the Jews. Yes. Kurds, Kurds are a lot like the Jews, <laughs> except for the whole, you know, we're the chosen people bit. Right. Um, they, they, everywhere they go, no one wants a bar of them um, in the Middle East. They've, they've denied the ability to use their language, the denied citizenship, and legal protection, all that kind of stuff. Yes. So they get, just get kicked around. Like a soccer ball, like the Jews were for a couple of thousand years. Right. Now, when the Syrian civil war broke out in 2011, the Kurds saw this as their opportunity again Ooh, yeah. to make a play for building an independent country. Now, let's let's remember that you go back to pre World War One. This was all the Ottoman Empire, right? Um, all of them lived together in peace and harmony, and and picked flowers and kumbaya and, and yeah well no cuz that's like a christian song I don't know. but you know they 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 sat around and had campfires <laughs> um no they were controlled by the ottomans uh and and it was all just one big country and then when uh, the the british and the french mandates were issued after world war 1 mm-hmm. some arbitrary lines were drawn in the sand um people were like okay well you're over here and you're over there right. Winston higgle, Churchill higgle, sat, yeah. sat down, got drunk one night <laughs> and invented countries um, with a, by scribbling a pen over right. a thing. You know, he accommodated, you know, they, well, we'll put the Sunni Muslims over here, we'll put the Shia Muslims over there. That sounds right. We'll put these, we'll put these guys here. But um, the, the, the minority groups, the Kurds, the Druze, the Alawi, Ah, fuck them. Don't worry about yeah. them. Would you like just uh, they'll they'll sort themselves out. Right. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Look, we're 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 mandating this thing. So boom, done. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you know it's going to be good when we're mandating <laughs> the British and the, the French because the official seal. Yeah. British and the French have gotten along famously for <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of years. They know uh, about peace. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> do they know about stability? Peace. Yeah. <laughs> Fraternity <laughs> stability. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, you know, like like the situation uh, that we've been talking about in a Cold War show about Palestine, when the British, in the early 20th century, mm-hmm. started saying, well, you know, uh, sure, I think we can just put the Jews in Palestine. There's no one there. Uh, <laughs> the Palestinians were like, uh, hello? And hello. the British were like, what? Do you hear something? I didn't hear anything. <laughs> nope. uh, it was a bit the same with the Kurds at the time. They're like, what? Who? No. Yeah. No. Jeez. So anyway, so they, they've been trying to get some independence ever since then, the Kurds. They've sort of spread out all over the place in the Middle East, uh, wa- wanting their own independence. You know, they keep pointing at the uh, 19 points, the, right. the Atlantic Charter. Right. Hello, what about this? Waving it in people's well, faces like Ho Chi Minh. and doesn't apply to yeah. you, my good sir. No. no. Sorry, are you, a white, are you a white man? No. So... <laughs> What are, we, what are you doing? Put down that white man document. Uh, they go, well, we're kind, we're kind of white. <laughs> Not white enough. Let me just uh, say are that. You though? Let me just yeah. say that. Not white enough. Yeah. 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 So uh, they've been trying to get their independence, the Kurds, for a long time. Now, the Turks and the Syrians don't want that because, and, and neither did Saddam, uh, mm-hmm. because if, if they get their independence... They're going to be doing to Turkey uh, and Syria and Iraq what the Jews did to the Palestinians, which oh. is saying, well, we're taking your land now. Right. Now, because the US are such big supporters of the Jews doing that in Palestine, you would think mm-hmm. maybe on paper that they would be also supportive of the Kurds mm-hmm. doing that in Turkey, Syria and Iraq. Yeah. As it turns out, not so much. <laughs> it's a one off. Uh, yeah, they, they turned a blind eye while Saddam massacred them in yeah. the 1980s. Uh, during the Syrian civil war uh, under Obama, the U.S. sort of half-heartedly supported them when they could, when they looked useful right. to overthrow the Syrians and uh, the Assads in Syria and, and deal with ISIS. But on January 21st, 2014, when the Kurds declared autonomy up in the northeastern area of Syria, a few right. provinces up there, which they called Rojava, Rojava. They said, hey, uh, we're going to have our, our autonomy now. We're going to have free elections and uh, that kind of stuff. It's going to be great. Yeah. Your president, Obama, went, mm, no, I don't think so. No, listen, um, look, lovely, lovely sentiments, lovely right. ideas, but the window for people claiming independence... <laughs> Closed. Um, right. You know, Just, the, it's it's a it's yes. a bit like becoming a made man in the mafia. The books have been closed on that right. uh, for some time now. Sorry. We don't. Yeah, sorry, we don't support Awkward. that right now. Maybe yeah. at some point in the future, if you get enough money, or if you discover oil or something Ooh, like that, then we yeah. can talk. Oh, yeah. Right now, uh, not supporting that. So they've been left kind of hanging by the U.S. ever since. The Obama administration didn't support their autonomy, despite the fact that they were like, hey, we're going to build a secular, democratic, 
government in the Middle East. Don't you like democracy, America? <laughs> Secular governments, we Middle like East. Ours. They, <clears throat> Sorry. They tried. They tried to <laughs> package it up in every right. way possible. It's a bit like Ho Chi Minh. In the forties, yeah. thirties, yeah. and forties, like we will do whatever you want. I will Just say whatever. Yeah, throw me a help fucking bone, <laughs> right? And a, they were like, hmm, a little bone. Right. It Just, has to be a big bone, little one. Listen, here's what we'd like. America said to the Kurds, "Just keep putting yourselves on the front lines of the war against ISIS. Would you do that? Okay, Thank you. yeah. Just okay. give us those forms in triplicate, okay? Right. And." Uh, <laughs> Listen, we'll talk about that other stuff. We'll uh, uh, talk yeah. about it next but, time. Listen, the next administration will talk about it because I'm sure the next administration will be great. It'll be right. fantastic. It'll be tremendous. You'll love it. Let's deal with ISIS right now, though. And they have, they have been our allies, and they have, like, what, ten or 11,000 prisoners up in the area where they're at. And, and forget what Trump is saying because I seriously doubt the – the Kurds are letting them out of jails because they would be running amok in their own towns, but they have fewer men to watch all these 11,000 ISIS prisoners because they have to get ready to fight the Turks who are coming after them or whoever might be coming after them, taking advantage of this situation. Yeah, well, if the ISIS prisoners get out, they're going to kill Kurds if they can. Exactly. Um, so why would they let if, them out? If the Syrians get in, they're going to kill them. If right. the Turks get in, they're going to kill them. Uh, so there's not a lot of good options here. Exactly. For the Getting back to the Obama administration yes. era, uh, Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs. Mm-hmm. You'd think that's a little bit of a big area just for one <laughs> one department. He's that Maybe, good. I, I yeah, know. he was. Oh, <laughs> Philip Gordon, oh, he's the best. At the time, during the Obama administration, he said, we don't see for the future of Syria an autonomous Kurdish area or territory. We want to see a Syria that remains united. Mm, that in no way helps, answers, or stabilizes the region. But thank you for your time, sir. So let's, let's recap also on what the Syrian civil war is all about for people who have forgotten because, again, it was a long time ago. You've probably forgotten. I had to refresh my memory. Right. It started with kids writing graffiti on a wall. Yeah. Uh, Syrian government handled it very badly. Some local administrators, uh, you know, arrested the kids, beat them up. Right. Uh, people, people revolted. Uh, the Syrian army stepped in to stop the revolting, and it escalated, got, got out of hand very quickly. Absolutely. Some parts mm-hmm. uh, of the Syrian revolution, sorry, some parts of the Syrian population used the excitement of the Arab Spring that was going on at the time right. to push for revolution. Syrian government cracked down hard. And pretty quickly, other elements got involved, foreign elements. So an opportunity here to destabilise Syria and overthrow the Assads, who mm-hmm. been in power since 1970. Right. Uh, Hafez al-Assad uh, first for 30-odd years, and then his son, Bashar al-Assad, who'd been in power since about 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got involved. So you had ISIS and Al-Qaeda crossed over from places like Iraq into Syria. Then members of the Syrian army saw their chance to overthrow Assad. Right. So there was a lot of guys uh, setting up independent militias yes. to try and overthrow the Assads. Probably because yeah. they, you know, they, they didn't like the fact that there was a, an Alawi dictatorship that was uh, 
you know, pushing a, a secular government. Right. A lot of, lot of Sunni members of the uh, army defected because the Sunni, who are the majority uh, in that region, as they are through much of uh, the Middle East, uh, you know, wanted mm-hmm. to, to create a, a, a Sunni government uh, like they have in lovely, lovely places like Saudi Arabia. And uh, so there are a lot of defections. So Assad finds himself fighting his own oh, former yes. troops. Then our other Arab states who hated Assad uh, got involved. Uh, you know, we, we talked in great detail in the last show about the, the Saudis uh, who, who want to control Syria uh, because they want it to be a, a, a Sunni-friendly and a Saudi-friendly state. Syria, of course, has no oil, very little anyway, in right. the way of oil. And it's it's mostly important strategically because it's yeah, smack bang in the middle of the right. Middle East. Absolutely. Um, and great great area for pipelines going east west and north oh, yeah. south. If you want to get oil around, it's cheaper to shoot it down a pipe than it is to put it on a boat um, or, or attach it to the legs of pigeons, which is something else <laughs> that they tried for a while there. Um, so everyone wants pipelines. Syria is smack bang in the middle, and they, every every pipeline needs to go through Syria. Uh, well, it doesn't have to, but it's the it sh- shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Yeah, right. So everyone everyone wants to have control of Syria, not because it has oil, but because it's a it's sort of the the, the gateway to all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Arab states got involved. Sunni, uh, sorry, the the Saudis started sending uh, secret. Uh, militias in there, smuggling them in. Then the Americans and the French and the Iranians and the Israelis and the Russians all got involved. Oh, yeah. All of them wanted to control Syria, again, because of its strategic position. When I say control, they want a friendly government Mm -hmm. in there that's going to support their initiatives, whether it's pipelines or or support for Israel or cutting off Iran or whatever it is. Right. Because Russia was a big partner. Russia was a longtime partner with the Assad. So, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be a great coup for the Americans to be able to kick out all Russian influence. But obviously that hasn't happened. Well, for the Russians, Syria is really the, the one Middle Eastern ally that they have left. Right. They need it. Yeah. And also, Russia's fighting ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Uh, they've got their own problems mm-hmm. with terrorism. Uh, for the Americans, it's about weakening Iran, supporting Israel, and also fighting ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Yeah. For Assad, it's about holding on to power. For Sunni Syrians, it's about getting rid of the Alawi dictatorship so they can create a, a Sunni state there like they've always wanted. For the Shia... And the Christians and the the Kurds mm. and the and the Alawi in Syria, you know, they don't want a Sunni dictatorship. They don't want ISIS and Al Qaeda in there. ISIS and Al Qaeda, by the way, of course, are Sunni uh, extreme militias mm. uh, as well. But uh, you know, the Kurds wanted their independence, really. Uh, because they don't, they're not, they're not going to get treated well by any of these players. Right. Uh, they, now, in a strange turn, just in the last couple of days, the Kurds and Assad yes. signed a deal to allow the Syrian army to come into these Kurdish-controlled areas, Rojava, to fight the Turks. Oh, God. 
the enemy of my enemy is my friend. How many times have we said that? So who would have saw this a couple of years ago, the Kurds and the Syrians getting together to fight a common enemy? Um, it, it's just astounding. But again, the point is, it could widen the war, and nobody wants to see that, except for arms makers. Well, exactly. Lots of people want to see that. Right. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so in my great and unmatched wisdom, um, you know, I'm trying to think who, who benefits from this, and we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Right. But uh, before we do that, I just want to point out that it looks more and more like the U.S. knowingly used the SDF, the Syrian Democratic Forces, mm-hmm. primar- primarily made up of the Kurdish, some Arab and, and uh, Syriac militias, to fight ISIS with knowledge at the highest levels in the U.S. that when push came to shove, they were just going to abandon the SDF. Right. And provide them with no diplomatic cover. Like, here's the thing. If you read the media, everyone's blaming this on Trump. Right. Um, Trump betrayed the Kurds. And, of course, every time I weigh in and say, well, you know what, the Obama administration didn't support their uh, calls for unity, so never took it to the UN Security Council, uh, didn't, uh, you know, offer them massive amounts of support to build a, an independent state. Mm-hmm. Going back before that, uh, the United States turned a blind eye while Saddam killed hundreds of thousands of them. Uh, so uh, my point being, well, this isn't Trump. This is basic American policy towards Kurds and has been for decades right. since the since the early 1980s, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, uh, and Americans are like, what's that got to do with it? Let me <laughs> yell about Trump. <laughs> Stop talking about facts and history when I'm trying to rant about Trump. Somebody said to me, so I guess that means Trump should be able to do whatever he wants, huh? We shouldn't do anything about him. I said, well, I don't know how you leap to that fucking conclusion. What I'm saying is facts and history matter. This isn't Trump. This is standard US policy towards the Kurds and, and the Yemenis as well. During the Obama administration, they let the... Saudis fuck up the Yemenis, commit genocide, attempted genocide against the Yemenis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably for the same reason. At the end of the day, uh, who who do you want to support in these regions? The guy that buys $100 billion of weapons off you every year? Yeah. Or the guys that even if you supported their independence probably would only buy, you know, a fraction of that. Right. Yeah. Who are you going to support? The guys that are giving you revenue or the guys that aren't? It's just business. It's, yeah. It is just business. Yeah. Ethics, morals, these sorts of things have got nothing really Out to do with it. It's about, right. it's about strategic interests and economic interests, yeah. I believe, at the end of the day. So who stands to benefit from all of this, Ray? Yeah. Well, um, if this does get uh, into a wider war... Trump could end up having to, because of forces beyond his control, reverse himself and maybe we might have to send in more American troops. We might have to send more, we might have to sell more weapons to the, to the area's uh, neighbors so they can defend themselves in this widening conflict. So there is an, uh, an economic component to this. And the other thing is, this is almost like the war on drugs. If this war escalates, Whichever party, whichever American political party can appear to be tougher on 
um, terrorism or more about a, a, a focusing on America's security protection, they'll benefit from it. So it normally comes down to influence and money, and I can see that easily happening here as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that's uh, one thing to take into account. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look, if you read the media, they're saying that well, Russia and Iran and Assad are all going to benefit from this. Right, I saw that. Yeah. So does that mean uh, the Democrats are going to benefit because it's looking like Trump is helping all of our quote unquote enemies? And why would you support the party? That's doing that. Yeah, maybe. But why would Trump do this to help the Democrats? Oh, I see what you're saying. Trump wants to help the Democrats have an argument. You don't think Trump is being... I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you think this is some kind of a four or five step plan by Trump? Or it's just not mere incompetence or the fact that he doesn't know history either? Or he doesn't care about these people? Um that this is actually part of some bigger plan because I, that's giving Trump too much credit, but maybe not the people who are around him. Yeah, no, I, I don't think Trump's thinking that far ahead. I'll get to Trump's interest okay. in, in a minute. But right. you know, if, you, if you read the mainstream media, they're saying that US policy um, uh, has failed mm-hmm. in this region and that the campaign in Syria to defeat ISIS is over for now. And they're giving the terrorist group, quote, a second lease yes. on life with Breathing nearly 100,000 people who will rejoin their jihad. Right. So ISIS is going to benefit from this, potentially. I mean, the Turkish army that's going into the region and the Syrians, neither of them like ISIS. But if yeah. these ISIS prisoners, the 10, 11,000 of them that are in the Kurdish area, can escape uh, and... and a, a larger scale war breaks out, it's possible that uh, ISIS will use that uh, to launch another recruiting drive in the region. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the other, the other thing to keep in mind is who benefits from ISIS being stronger? Well, the Pentagon does. The Absolutely. Pentagon and the military-industrial complex in the US needs an enemy. Yes. And th- they need an enemy that they can fight uh, or who's a real and present danger, clear and present danger, a real threat mm-hmm. to justify your seven hundred billion dollar a year military budget. Right. You you need to have someone that's scary. It helps that it helps. you can use to justify that. Now ISIS yeah. has been winding down. Like the threat of ISIS has been winding down for the last couple of years. The, you know the, the war Lots is still dragging territory. on, but yeah. ISIS. It was, you know, go back six, seven years ago, it was all about, oh, my God, ISIS is going to take over the world. It's going to be a big single caliphate. ISIS are unstoppable. They're right. the boogeyman. Yeah. Then they got, then they got stopped, <laughs> uh, uh, slowed down, uh, reduced. So who, who is it at the moment? Well, you know, the, everyone keeps trying to kickstart Russia as a threat in the US. Oh, the Russians, the Russians are coming, but the Russians have done nothing. Since since yeah, Crimea, it's not the same. Uh, yeah, since Crimea, which was when back in in twenty twelve Bush days, uh, goes back yeah. even earlier. Oh, I'm but, sorry, um, Crimea. No, well, I, uh, hold on, Crimea, Russia invasion. Not really an invasion, but we'll call it that. 
Annexation. Annexation. That's a word for it. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. 2014, okay. Yeah. 2014, so they've done nothing since then. It's a little bit hard to uh, uh, yeah. use Russia as the, as the big bad uh, to justify a lot of this stuff. You can, you can treat them as a threat, but... No, yeah, we're not afraid. afraid. Yeah. You need to be afraid. In Russia, it's more about, oh, they're buying Facebook ads. Right. Um, oh, my God, they're taking over our Facebooks. Uh, same with China. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they tried to kick it off with uh, North Korea for a while there. That really flopped. There's no real present danger that you can work Americans up into a lather about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we've explained before about the economics of having a clear and present danger, it's good not only for the weapons manufacturers, of course, but all of the other people that take a big chunk out of Pentagon oh, yes. spending, which is pretty much a huge chunk of American industry, right. benefits from military Keynesianism because uh, they they supply all of the ancillary products to American military bases, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's providing private contractors or it's selling them computers or shoes or chewing gum, Coca-Cola or prophylactics or, you know, uh, yeah. uh, 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 to- instruments of torture for torturing people at places like Abu Ghraib. I mean, right. somebody's, st- you know, benefiting from that spending economically. And as I've explained multiple times, the great thing about, if you're, a, if you're an American business, the great thing about getting Pentagon money is you don't need to work very hard for it. If you can get a Pentagon contract... Oh, oh sweet. It just, it's just a big fucking snowball of money that rolls down the hill and hits you in the face every right. year. And you're like, oh, oh, oh look at that. <laughs> Love it. You don't need, to, don't need to do any advertising. You don't need any salespeople. You're not competing right. in the free market. You're just getting a big chunk of money that's coming from U.S. taxpayers, right. uh, no questions asked to you. And also the Pentagon is notoriously very, very bad at uh, managing how that money gets spent. Right. It's not like they're very bad at checks and balances. They overpay for stuff. Stuff goes missing. Billions and billions of dollars can't be accounted for every year. And they go, well, it doesn't matter. It was was, was urgent. We had an urgent situation here. We just needed to spend the money. Who got it? Who's who's Panama... Uh, fucking <laughs> secret offshore account sure. to go into. Good no one day, knows. Yeah. Doesn't good, matter. Good <laughs> even even when they have uh, you know audits on it, they go, "Where did the money go?" Sorry, can't tell you. Well, yeah. did, you, did you get receipts? No <laughs> receipts. Does, does anybody we have time for, for receipts? No, no. Saddam had weapons problems. of mass destruction. We needed to <laughs> act quickly, but he didn't. Well, yeah, we know that now. Yeah, but but he's mm. gone. So. Mm. Yeah. So I think they benefit from this. Yeah. Uh, look, this, uh, whether or not that's what Trump's thinking, I can't say, but I'm just saying that if this whole situation explodes over there and gets worse, no doubt, and it's not just, okay, uh, American military involvement in the area, uh, the, the Turks need to buy weapons from someone. Who, mm-hmm. who does Turkey buy weapons from? Well, guess, um, the U.S. The U.S. is yeah. the largest, uh, you know, arms arms dealer in the world. USA. Um, you know, there Sorry. are <laughs> there are talks at the moment about uh, sanctions 
and banning US arm exports to Turkey. Right. Talks. But whether and yeah, yeah, whether or not that actually happens and how it happens, French and the French and the Germans have announced that they're gonna suspend arms sales to Turkey. But the way these things normally happen, I think, is uh, a lot, lot of lot of political theatre happens up front. Yeah. Oh yeah. well, look at the, we're not going to sell you any more weapons for at least <laughs> six days. Right. Then eventually things will get so bad they'll go. Okay, well, listen. Now we need to sell them weapons again. Right. Uh, Turkey is the world's thirteenth. Largest arms importer. Damn. With 60% of its arms coming from the United States. Ooh. Followed by Spain and Italy. Hmm. Would you use an Italian uh, weapon if your life depended on it? <laughs> Just asking. Just asking. <laughs> A pot of ragu? No question. A yeah. pistol? I don't know. So hold on, it gets 60% of its weapons from the US, 70% from Spain, and 15% from Italy. So that's 70, 80, 92% France and Germany say, we're banning weapons exports to Turkey. And Turkey's like, oh, no, really. Like it's a toilet paper. Really, really, The military-grade toilet paper. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking of the theatrics, I can't take it. Speaking of the theatrics, I I read today that um, Elizabeth Warren and Lindsey Graham had a conversation uh, about doing a um, a joint. uh, Of course, they would use um, a senator because she's busy on the trail. But uh, those two were talking about doing some kind of writing up their own sanctions and trying to get it. Uh, in Congress, maybe not through Congress, but presented to Congress uh, before Trump can announce something. So it's like there's, there's this big race now to see who can be harder on Turkey. But again, that's all talk. If another week goes by and there's no sanctions, then again, I can't help but feel, based on absolutely nothing but my spider sense, that Erdogan knew that he could attack that there would be harsh words. We would uh, uh, we would uh, rattle our saber, but at the end of the day. Um, nothing's really going to affect him or his economy. I can't prove that, but I, I just have this this sixth sense about that. That I just think he knows we're all going to bitch about it, but at the end of the day, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, and even if sanctions do go into place today, you know he's probably got enough weapons that he's bought to last him for a little while. Yeah, he's and been planning it, this. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and Trump's been telling him to do it for a couple of years, which I'll get into in a second. But, mm. you know, these sorts of things, let, let's say it all blows up and, and ISIS blow up and get bigger again. This is going right. to justify more Pentagon budgets. And it helps keep Syria destabilized. So, you know, let's keep in mind, as I said before, all of these parties, including the US, that want the Assads gone, it's become increasingly evident over the last few years that they're not going to get rid of Assad in the current round of mm-hmm. uh, tensions over there, he's right. locked in. So uh, this is an opportunity. If Turkey goes in and launches a full-scale invasion of Syria, then, uh, you know, it started just with the Kurds. Well, we're just going in to do with the Kurds because they're terrorists, but now right. the Syrians are supporting the Kurds. So you're going to have Syrian and Turkish forces going head-to-head. They've all already been, obviously, 
skirmishing for, for quite a few years. Yeah. But they're going to go head-to-head, um, it looks like, at some point in the near future. This could lead to a full-out war. Now, Assad, militarily and economically, is <laughs> very weak. Yes. Uh, he's supported by Russia, supported to a lesser extent by Iran. That will probably continue... But uh, Turkey has the second largest army in NATO. Uh, so Turks are probably the, the odds-on favourite to win a large-scale skirmish, depending mm-hmm. on what Russia decides to do. Mm-hmm. By the way, who's the largest army in NATO, Ray? Turkey's um, second? Who's the largest? Would that be the God-chosen United States of America? <laughs> Yes, good, 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 okay. good guess. Yes, boom! Yeah. Praise Jesus. Now, now the other thing that's going to happen out of this, obviously, is it, it maintains and increases Middle East tensions. Right, that's a good thing. Oil prices uh, go up, maybe. Yeah, probably. If if oil is threatened in the Why area, not? of course. But which, yeah, Syria obviously, as I've said before, doesn't have any, and it doesn't and, matter. Well, they have a little bit, but their doesn't their matter. production has been declining during the civil. Well, yeah, but it, more importantly than that, I think it gives people justification to move troops in the Middle East. You know, Trump on one hand is saying, oh, you know, I want to pull troops out of Syria, but then he goes and sends troops to Saudi Arabia because right. somebody drone attacked some of their oil refineries. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing in terms of who benefits is the relationship between Trump and Erdogan is pretty interesting. Uh, how familiar are you with? Uh, I know I know you travel to Turkey a lot, Ray. <laughs> Have you ever stayed at the Trump Towers, Istanbul? Um, I was almost allowed in, didn't quite make it. Um, but no, I haven't actually been inside the hotel. When we do our next uh, Ray and Cam World tour, oh, we're going to stay at the Trump Towers in Istanbul. <laughs> The property developer, so this is a real thing, the Trump Towers right. in Istanbul. Uh, the property developer is this 83-year-old Turkish billionaire, Aydin Dogan. Um, he l- sort of has a license partnership with Trump. Where he gets to use Trump's name on the buildings. Goes back to sort of oh. 20, 2011, 2012, uh, before Trump was president. Now, Dogan is... Uh, one of the richest guys in Turkey, used to be a bit of an enemy of Erdogan's, but now they're best mates. Dogan owns a whole bunch of newspapers, among other things. And his newspapers used to be critical of Erdogan uh, until Dogan got hit with a $2.5 billion tax bill. Um, Does that remind you of Florence? (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Yes, which brought him. <laughs> yes, uh, Go ahead. which brought which brought him around, and right. uh, they he settled the case, and uh, then Erdogan attended the launch of the Trump Towers in 2012. Ivanka Trump Ooh. thanked Erdogan on Twitter for helping celebrate the launch of the Trump Towers in Istanbul. Oh, Ivanka and. Trump has apparently made millions of dollars from these hotels, the licensing uh, agreement that he has. Right. Ranging somewhere between $3 million and $17 million uh, since sort of 2012, um, from what I've read. Then uh, in June 2016, Erdogan called for the removal of Trump's name from the towers, 
when Trump started passing his, trying to push for his Muslim bans, oh, Erdogan said, Trump has no tolerance for Muslims living in the US. And on top of that, they used a brand in Istanbul with his name. The ones who put that brand on their building should immediately remove it, meaning Dogan, obviously. Right. Um, less than a month after that, Trump very publicly expressed his support for Erdogan when that Turkish coup attempt yes. was going on. Right. Um, then, and the, and the Trump name stayed on the towers. Then in May 2017, Erdogan visited the White House, uh, had oh. a very friendly chat. And right. this, you may recall, this is when there were some protesters and some Turkish yes. uh, security forces with Erdogan attacked the protesters right. outside of the Turkish ambassador's residence, shoving local police officers out of the way. Uh, while Erdogan just sat there and watched it all going on from God his damn. car. Right. Um, the the House of Representatives at the time, which was under Republican control, voted 397 to zero to condemn the attacks, but re- Trump refused to do so. And then uh, a few months later described Erdogan uh, as a very good friend and saying he gets very high marks for the way he runs Turkey. <laughs> and I so, love the security detail. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I'd like a little bit of that. Good old days when you could rough up <laughs> protesters and get away with it. So Trump has a pretty good relationship. I think it's fair to say Trump has a pretty good relationship with Erdogan, makes a lot of money out right. of these hotels in Istanbul, probably wants to build others there. Now, he recently tweeted, Trump, this is, if Turkey does anything that I, in my great and unmatched (laughs) wisdom, if Turkey does anything that I, in my great and unmatched wisdom, consider to be off limits, I will totally destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey I've done before. Er? Now. Yeah. (laughs) What? I don't know what the fuck he did to destroy the economy of Turkey or anywhere. Maybe he's talking about the American economy. Maybe his own economy. Or, How many times has he declared bankruptcy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know how to put a company into liquidation. <laughs> like you believe that. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, it looks like Trump gave Erdogan permission to invade Syria as far back as two years ago, according Ooh. to a leak from a former senior administration official who was with Trump and Erdogan, when Erdogan visited the White House in 2017, right. uh, Trump basically gave Erdogan permission to invade Syria back then. According to this senior administration official, Trump basically said, look, if you want it, you own it, but don't come looking to me for help. You can take it. It's yours. Damn. Who's he, Caesar? Fuck. Basically saying, look, launch a war against Syria. Uh, don't expect me to help. It's right. a bit like um, Stalin talking to Kim in 1950. Right. It's on Listen, you. you. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if you want to launch a war on the South, do it, but don't, if you get into trouble, don't expect me to support it because I, I, I just can't. Bad optics. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I can't, I, I, look at yeah. this calendar. Ma- look at it. Yeah. Look, look, look at Mao. Mao will help. If, um, but of course, you know, the US can support these sorts of things indirectly in many right. ways rather than directly. So if a full-scale war breaks out between Turkey and Syria, 
rest assured that the Saudis and the Israelis and the Iraqis will probably right. get involved supporting the Turks against Syria. Uh, who does who do Saudi Arabia buy their weapons from? United States. Who does Israel buy their weapons from? The United States. Who does Iraq now buy their weapons from? Again, the United States. So you can pass sanctions. You can, you, you know, Lindsey Graham can get up there and, and wave the tut, tut, tut flag all he likes. Right. You can pass sanctions against Turkey. But then you sell weapons to Saudi Arabia and Israel and Iraq. Uh, they mm-hmm. will sell weapons. Uh, to Turkey or give them weapons uh, under the cover of darkness. It depends on how far the sanctions go. If the sanctions are just US companies can't sell weapons to Turkey, but uh, unless you say nobody can sell weapons to Turkey, it's right. a different thing. But even then, you, you're supplying the weapons to these other parties in the Middle East who are going to yeah. absolutely get involved. And I also think that if it gets bad enough and hot enough over there, then America will get directly involved again. Right. So it's it's if you're a military industrial an American military industrial contractor, this is all good. This is this is good stuff, regardless of what they say in public, right. including what Lindsey Graham says in public. Absolutely. At the end of the day, if if you have constituents and pretty much every senator and congressman in the U.S. does, who benefit, who profit massively from mm-hmm. Pentagon spending. Or, or uh, you know, sales uh, by military contractors. This is a good thing. Yeah. So Trump's basically been inviting Turkey to launch a war on Syria for some time. Now I want to talk about the fact that Turkey, of course, is a NATO member. Has been since 1952, second mm-hmm. largest army in NATO, as I said before. Right. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg recently quoted Spider-Man, said, Turkey is a great power in this great region and with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) That's The estate estate of Stan Lee promptly sued him. (laughs) And they bombed his house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, how much do you know about uh, how NATO membership works, Ray? Mm, Not nearly enough. Sorry. Well... One of the, one of the issues with NATO membership, as I understand it, is unlike the UN or the EU, there's no mechanism in the NATO agreements to revoke a state's membership. What? What genius came so the, up with that one? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so the only the only way you could do that is you'd have to amend the NATO treaty, right? Which would require unanimous support from all of the members. Something that Turkey's obviously not going to consent to if it's they're trying to amend the treaty to get rid of Turkey. Yeah. So if a full-scale war breaks out and a NATO member gets attacked, if Syria launches attack on Turkey, oh, what is the uh, you know obli- what are the obligations of the other NATO members if a, if a, Turkey gets attacked? Right. Does Turkey actively ask for help and support or in in another way, do they purposefully not ask for anything which gives everybody cover? But at the same time, you're also not invited to the party and Turkey could go on and use its military to annihilate Assad's regime. I mean, it's it's a double edged sword. Yeah. So uh, 
it's getting it's it's getting complicated when you look down the track. Now the other yeah. complication here is that obviously if this breaks out, Russia's going to get more involved to support Syria. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the US gets drawn back in, this could lead to you know a direct conflict between US troops and Russian troops. China is probably going to get involved to support Syria as well. Uh, they've already supported Syria to a, a, I think, a relatively minor extent so far, but they could get drawn in. Yeah. But the other thing that's uh, I just read about this morning is that there's about 50 U.S. nuclear weapons sitting in Turkey. Oh fuck. Okay. Uh, on the border, uh, close to the border, just inside the border of Turkey and Syria. Um, so the U.S. is now trying to extract those nuclear weapons. If this goes pear-shaped and the the Kurds or the Syrians get into Turkey and and get their hands on these nuclear weapons, uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, Or, you know, now Turkey is an aggressor and it has its hands on American nuclear weapons. Who knows what it will do with it? Supposedly under American control... Yeah, but I don't know to what extent. You know how many guys they have there protecting them. Exactly. Um, so that's my that's that's my situation in a nutshell. Here, I don't know if my great and unmatched wisdom has helped at all. Right. But I, I think a, a a large conflict in this area is definitely something that the U.S. military industrial complex sees as a good thing, despite all of the political theater and the harumphing you will see this is a good thing no one gives a fuck about the Kurds that's been obvious for a very long time uh, it's also possibly a good thing for the Russians and the Iranians as as the media says although it's less obvious to me that it's a good thing for them they're more directly threatened by ISIS mm-hmm. and Al-Qaeda than the US is and they're you know, I think much less, uh, they stand to benefit less from all of this. You know, you wind back the clock before this Syrian civil war, Russia and Iran had good relationships with the Assads and and with Syria. So they didn't stand to benefit from this, really. I mean, maybe they, they, they can strengthen their ties with Assad by quid pro quos when they offer support for something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, the same sort of quid pro quos that I'm sure Assad had to negotiate with the Kurds. Well, okay, if I come in and I support you and we win, what then, motherfuckers? Like, right. you're not keeping your independent state. Like, fucking forget that shit. And they're probably like, well, just don't kill us all. Or, I'll only kill half of you. Something like that. Right. Um, it's been tough. Russia and Iran had good relationships with Syria. So... When, they, when, the, when the US media talks about that Russia and Iran are going to benefit from this, it's kind of a bit of bullshit. The, the, if, you, if you look at who stands to benefit the most from this whole Syrian civil war, if the Assad regime is toppled, it's not Russia and Iran. They will uh, 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 get kicked out of the area. The... the Countries that stand to benefit most from the Syrian civil war, if Assad is defeated, has always been the US and its allies in the region, not Russia and Iran. So are we going to go from talking about pulling out troops 
from the Middle East since we've been there in, what, 2002 or whatever, to only put back after a bloody war, expensive, costly, bloody war, to then suddenly have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of troops in Syria after this is all over with. So, is again, is it just another cycle? Or are we going to own Syria soon after we have this horrific battle? I mean, it, yeah, this whole thing is just insane. And going back to what you said a second ago, yes, the American policy towards the Kurds has been fucked up for decades. However, Trump is the one who's going to get called on it for right now because the American attention span is about two minutes long at most. And so people aren't going to know all the things that you just said. But when I was reading all the when I was reading articles on the internet today, I mean they were treating it like it was de facto. They were saying Trump has turned his back on the Kurds. Trump is stabbing the Kurds in the back. I mean we have to remember Turkey is the one killing them. It's not Trump. But all as far as all the press that I read, a lot of the press that I read is putting all of the blame at Trump's feet. So he will probably in some way pay a price for this. But that doesn't really matter if the Middle East blows up into a regional war. Yeah, look, I, I I don't think the U.S. likes sending massive armies directly into countries if they can avoid it. They they prefer to fight proxy wars these days. Yes, I mean, obviously, in Iraq and Afghanistan, they did nearly twenty years ago, um, and they will do it if they can justify it. But that happened after a direct attack on the United States, yeah. and they were able to. They were able to get away with justifying that. Generally speaking, it takes a lot to push that kind of thing through uh, Congress and through and, and to get mm. the American people to back it and the media. Good point. Uh, it's great. It's great. I mean, America loves direct military intervention. Don't get me wrong, because they make you know a lot of people make a shit ton of money out of it. But there's bad optics. Then you got body bags and all this kind of stuff that you have to deal with, and dead dead soldiers and all this kind of stuff, which is uh, which is tricky. Right. Uh, much better to fight proxy wars whenever you can. Still make dirty money. wars, yeah. proxy wars. Yeah, exactly. You still make money. Different people make money, um, but you can still funnel that money through the, the, some of it through the Pentagon and right. you know, these. These uh, foreign countries like Saudi Arabia, like Israel, uh, like Turkey, will fight your wars for you, and you're just making the money on the back end. Um, you know, you might you might provide a few thousand troops here or there for support, yeah. training, whatever. Right. But generally speaking, you just want to make the money. What's if you think about it as a business problem? The the challenge is how do we make as much money as possible off of this situation? Mm-hmm. and minimise the downsides. The downsides to us isn't dead soldiers, because we don't really give a shit about that. Um, right, no. It's yeah. not our, right. You know, uh, Donald, Donald Trump Jr. is not going to be going <laughs> over gonna, there. <laughs> Hunter, 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 Biden's, right. Hunter Biden's not going to be going over there. No. Um, so it's, it's your kids, right? Oh, yeah. Um, your kids, they'll be sending to war, and they don't give a fuck if they die. That's right. But they do care about the optics. They do care about uh, uh, getting the uh, voting public somewhat on board, being able to convince them through propaganda campaigns, like they did to convince Americans to get involved in World War One and World War Two, and Vietnam, etc. Mm-hmm. Korea, you name it. Oh, yeah. um, 
but it's trickier. It's much easier to fight a proxy war. So you want to make as much money as possible with as little downside as possible. It's just it's just a straight business problem. Right. Well, listen, I wanted to talk about so many other things today, Ray. Uh, Matt Taibbi <laughs> says the United States is in a state of a permanent coup. Right. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about Giuliani's mates that uh, have <laughs> been charged. I wanted to talk about uh, Trump's uh, $700,000 Facebook spend on anti-impeachment. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about Elizabeth Warren buying Facebook ads, uh, lying about Mark Zuckerberg. I wanted to talk about... The US admitting that it's funding Occupy Central in Hong Kong. I wanted to talk about Hunter Biden's web of interests. I wanted to talk about all sorts of things, but we're out of time. Maybe next week we'll get to one or some of those things, depending on what comes along and gets in the fucking way. (laughs) Sounds good. So that's Bullshit Filter uh, for this week, folks. Uh, Don't forget Caligula's coming out at the end of the week. It's going to be a fucking hoot. No pun intended. Be be prepared to sit down and watch Caligula uh, with a scotch and a cigar in one hand right. and your genitalia in the other because it's a sexy, 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 t- oh, and for a bonus terrifying, fee, right. depraved movie. <laughs> for a, a boner? A, bo- no, a boner no, fee? Close. A boner fee. Uh, you can actually get also videos of us while we're watching it. Um, Action packed, <laughs> I think, is the only way to describe it. Action packed. Oh, that's the VIP package. Yeah. <laughs> Live for me, it'd Rain be a two minute, but anyway, live. that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. yeah, T- yeah, two inches, and the- two <laughs> even before the credits have rolled. <laughs>